Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley and I'm the co-founder of Agenda Media, which is the publisher of Women's Agenda. I have on the line, staring at me through my computer on Zoom and talking to me over my phone, Georgie Dent, our contributing editor on Women's Agenda. How are you, Georgie? I am very good and happy to be communicating with you via two forms of media, phone, Zoom, it all works. It all works. We're all getting used to it right now. And Shivani Gopal, how are you, Shivani? I'm great. And similar to Georgie, so happy to be connected in some way or another. Yes, I know the feeling. I intentionally schedule regular video conference calls when I know that I could do it over the phone just because if I don't schedule those calls, I probably wouldn't brush my hair. So <laughs> it gives a little uh, incentive and a bit of motivation to get a little bit more ready in the morning. So it is another week of self-isolation for us three. So we live in the same city, but we are talking to each other through our screens from three different parts of that city. Um, And I think we're up for many more weeks of self-isolation. So I sort of feel during this time on this podcast, um, we are, you know, trying to feel our way into the best set of topics to discuss And between us, we've um, talked about the need to retain some positivity and some hope during this period, even though it can be hard to feel that way sometimes. And we're all moving through this in very different ways, whether that's our health being impacted, our family, our safety, our jobs, our financial situation. So it's clearly different for everybody, but everybody is feeling uh, some sort of pain from this current situation. So we have um, a number of different topics that today that I feel are, are relevant for this current time, but in parts of it we are trying to bring something a little bit lighter to the conversation because it does feel like that's quite important right now. So on today's agenda, um, we want to talk about some of the little disappointments of COVID-19 and I'll describe what that means in a second and Georgie, I know, will do a really good job of describing what that means. Um, also, we will be sharing some tips for managing work at home, uh, whether that's dealing with kids or a partner or whoever else might be in your house at the moment. And also discussing this pause or this hibernation period, as has been coined by the Morrison government that we're currently experiencing. Can we slow down on all fronts? How should we treat it? What should we do? Do we need to do anything? So we'll get to that a little bit later on. And finally, we'll touch briefly on the place for women's sport during this crisis because we need to keep women's sport high on the agenda. So that will be happening. So firstly, to get started, just a little dis. Disappointments of COVID-19, inspired by a column by Richard Glover over the weekend, and Georgie has just this minute published a piece and shared her own thoughts on the topic on Women's Agenda. So there are obviously the really big, challenging disappointments of this time, but um, there's also the smaller ones, and I really think that kids provide a bit of a window into the perfect example of this, and you see the things that they're missing out on and how they're adapting and how they're moving on and the resilience that they might be developing as a part of this. So Georgie, talk me through your ideas of this topic. Yeah, so I read um, Richard Glover's column on Saturday and I just thought it it, it sort of really spoke to me because I had been thinking about it um, in terms of obviously we know that there are some absolutely devastating impacts um, of this pandemic and Um, You know, there's no way around those things like lives being lost, jobs being lost, businesses collapsing, all of those sorts of things that are diabolical. But the other thing is there are all sorts of really little disappointments that are happening. And he, he, 
was talking about in his article, a 12-year-old girl who was so excited because she was the deputy um, school captain this year and that meant that one of her jobs was running the school assemblies, which she was really looking forward to. And, you know, he made the point that obviously that doesn't rank compared to, you know, someone losing their income or livelihood. But it's still a disappointment for that person. And I think that, I, I, I think what I really liked about his piece was that it's okay. We don't need to triage every single disappointment. We can just feel it and we can own it. And I think that, you know, I've had various you know, moments with the kids, like our youngest. We've been walking down to the park, um, not going on the equipment for quite a few weeks now, but we've sort of been going down to the big grassy area and either throwing the frisbee or kicking a ball or whatever. But this week, um, the equipment has actually been taped up for the first time. And when we walked down there and my four-year-old saw it for the first time, she burst into tears. Oh, and she was just, she oh. knows that she hasn't oh, been able to play with the equipment, but she was like, coronavirus is just wrecking everything. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it is. And look, for her, the idea of not being able to go on the swing is really quite disappointing. And um, it's funny, our older two girls have both had sort of mini um, wobbles where they're like, they just want to go back to school and they can't. And, you know, my niece on the weekend, it was her ninth birthday and she was meant to be having a sleepover and had this great party planned. And obviously that, you know, it couldn't happen. And, um, you know, I, just, I feel like there's, it's reassuring to sort of own those disappointments and just say, like, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it is something that you were looking forward to and those little things, you know, mean quite a lot. I think about, I don't know, my, I've got a relative who's in a long distance relationship and she can't see who she loves at the moment and they mm. won't be able to for quite a while. And I just think there are so many um, disappointments of different sizes and shapes that mm. people are carrying at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll put that, that one that you mentioned about your relative, I'd probably put that on the bigger side of the disappointments because I feel like Definitely. being separated from your loved ones is is pretty horrible and I know it's what a lot of people are experiencing right now even when you live in the same city as as your loved ones, particularly grandparents being separated from children. Um, on the small disappointment side, I mean, I, I, I see that with my kids and, the you know, not being able to see their friends, not being able to do the usual things that they would expect to do on the weekends. Um, and I saw we had our first birthday party for our – well, we didn't actually have a party but it was my, my third son's birthday birthday party last week and we were due to have a you know a lovely first birthday party we did it on zoom which was a real novelty because that was the first time our family had caught up on zoom so that was kind of fun in the end but afterwards I was looking at um I saw that we had one birthday card and I realized that he received one birthday card for his first birthday and I just felt this like little tinge of guilt and I hadn't had the words to describe it or the means but after reading your column and seeing what Richard wrote as well I feel like yeah it's okay to kind of acknowledge that and own it and think okay that's this time and um, it's it's clearly not a big deal but it's something to remember next year and I think you know going forward I'll always remember that about his first birthday and that's probably quite important to remember that 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 was at that time, that's what was going on and we're always going to remember these, this stage in our lives. Shivani, what do you make and um, I don't know, any, any small disappointments that you've observed or how you grapple and deal with that issue? Yeah, I, I, the, the biggest small disappointments, and I agree with what you're saying around the fact that it's a really big thing but in comparison to losing someone's job or business, health or life, it's, it's nothing but it's the hug. You know, I... I really am a, I'm quite a tactile person. I'm an extrovert. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not tactile with complete strangers. I don't go and, you know, touch random people or anything. But um, 
I, I just missed the hug. You know, I went for a walk with my girlfriend and we did the funny shoulder tap and we laughed. Uh, but at the same time, I know that we would normally just run into each other and have this huge warm embrace and just be so thrilled to see each other. And my parents, um, you know, when I went to see them the other day, I was so conscious of doing And I've been social isolating. I've been doing all of the things that you're supposed to be doing. But even then, I mean, I've got, you know, a, a cafe downstairs, which is also a fruit shop. I go and pick up my fruit and veggies from there. So I, I do technically leave the house, right? And, of course, you can when you're going to supermarkets, but still – it made me feel really anxious about my interaction with my parents, given they are in that age group of being really vulnerable. And I did not touch them. And I'm at an age in my life where I truly appreciate and I see the value of my parents. I know we all go through this stage where we're like, oh, you know, I'm not going to see my parents, I'm not going to hug them and all that stuff. But it just, I mean, they just mean so much to me. Not being able to hug them just really does break my heart. Um, I've had a pretty big disappointment as well in that um, in that uh, I, I had some really big things that I was looking forward to in 2020 and um, and I'm really laughing at these memes, you know, um, this was not part of my vision board 2020 and, you know, all that sort of stuff because what do you do, right? Like you just, in, 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 for me, I, I agree with you that you've just got to, you can own it and it's okay to, you know, to lament it and then, and then move on. I've been using a strategy that's working for me is just what it, what else do you do? You just got to laugh and, and move on. Like I, um, I had this incredible trip planned to San Francisco to, you know, go and pitch to, um, you know, a global startup forum. And, um, and I was only one of eight, you know, female CEOs around the world that were selected to do that. And I can't tell you how excited I was to do this. Um, and so not going is, is this really huge disappointment. And, you know, my husband and I were just laughing about it last night going, well, oh, well, you know, that's going to turn out. Let's hope we have better luck next year because I, I just felt, you know, what else can you do? But, but, but there is this, you know, this, this sort of this sadness around it. So, you know, being the optimist that I am, I've been thinking about how I can sort of move past this. And, and I realized as we were talking about this that a girlfriend of mine sort of did this very naturally. We, as we did this walk, we talked about, you know, the disappointments and the things that we, you know, were missing out on. But then we started talking about the new normal and what mm. it is that we're now doing as a result. And my new normal is that I feel that I am more grateful than ever, than I have ever been, because I've, I've finally taken stock of things. I mean, I don't know if any of you do this, but uh, you know when you have a little win and you're sharing it with someone and you go, oh, it's not a big deal, but, you know, this has kind of happened to me. And we constantly try to play those things down. And it made me realize that every opportunity that you have, everything that happens to you, it is so important that you own it and you celebrate it because life is fleeting, opportunities is fleeting. Um, you know, uh, to quote another meme, outside has gone. <laughs> mm. You know, and um, and so I just think it's so important that, that we take stock of what we do have right now, you know, our, the fact that we have the safety of our houses to retreat back to. Mm. Uh, and that's how I'm getting through this time of disappointment. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted also, to make one. I, oh, um, oh, I just wanted to make one comment, Shivani, about what you mentioned about not being able to hug your parents, and that's a classic, I think, small di- uh, disappointment because, and some of us, you know, I, I've, I've gone and seen my parents where we've sat outside and sat meters apart and done that for you know a few minutes or so. We've just kept it pretty light because we're trying to 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 um, distance ourselves, but I've 
I, I saw, and I can't remember who described this, it was somebody talking on a television program last week, is to see the distance as the act of love, to see the distance as the hug. That's you showing your love and your appreciation mm. by just showing that's, that little bit beautiful. of gap. And I think that was just a really nice way to do it. And it's part of our current normal. Hopefully that won't be our new normal. I mean, hopefully we will move past that part of this new normal so that we can return to making that physical contact. But it was just another way I felt to look at it. The space is there. And I think that's a great way to tell kids as well when when they can't be around their grandparents is that it's, it's love to show another way. And there's other ways that kids can interact with their grandparents as well over the phone. I mean, it's I like that opportunity. I find that I'm spending a lot of time on the phone and I've seen those memes go around as well about millennials are discovering the the telephone for the first time and I feel (laughs) that's actually happening as well as doing these video conference chats. I do talk a lot more on the phone and have really nice, open, honest conversations with people and possibly feel like there is a little bit more time in my day despite trying to homeschool and navigate, you know, a toddler and a preschooler at the same time. Yeah. I also, the thing that I, you know, was thinking, Shivani, when you were talking about your, you know, like that is a big disappointment when you've worked so hard and you get this Mm. opportunity and then you've sort of been robbed of knowing what could have been because it's not just that you didn't get to do the trip, it's that you didn't get to do the trip and therefore you didn't get to see what the outcome is. And I think that making those things, I guess one of the reasons I kind of wanted to write what I did today was I want people to be able to tell us what their disappointments are because... I keep thinking about, you know, like artists or something who had something coming mm. out this year or comedians who were going to be at the comedy festival for the first time. It means that a lot of the disappointment is invisible because the platform isn't going to go ahead so no one will know that they were going to have their first shot at that. And I feel like it's quite good to be able to say, I had this amazing opportunity and I can't do it now. But mm. there's still value in saying that I was one of the eight females picked for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and actually owning that saying you know because that matters it's huge um and obviously now in the scheme of things we we, you know it's understandable why that's not happening but it's okay to still say this is something I'd worked really hard for and I would have loved to see Mm. how it panned out exactly Mm. I think there's a lot of power in owning that Georgie I I think that's incredibly empowering you know to put it that way and I think it also relates back to you know our inclination to go back if any of our achievements have been kind of thought it's not much of a deal but and perhaps by not owning our disappointment, we're also not owning, you know, the impact and the opportunity that that really presented. And in some ways, it may even have a ripple effect on us not, just, you know, pushing forward with that in the following years. So, yeah, thanks for that. I'll, um, I shall do. I, <laughs> so, see your point there. Um, moving on to our next topic, we did, we do want to talk about. Managing uh, work at home. Uh, if you're, if you, if you are still able to work and you are able to work at home, and we appreciate um, Shivani, Georgie, and I are in that position where we are able to work from home, um, albeit in positions where our businesses have all. Uh, suffered quite greatly from what's going on so we're kind of just trying to piece together what we can at the moment I know that we're all in that situation Um, but yeah so there is still trying to work from home as we do while either dealing with kids or maybe your partner's in your home maybe you have um, older people in your home maybe you have other people that you care for or flatmates or whoever it is so we want to get to that topic but first just to acknowledge, um, which is really important right now, is the, the fear of a rise of domestic violence in Australia due to self-isolation. 
which uh, makes it so difficult for women uh, to leave, to go and find a safe space, which uh, typically, and we've done research on this on Women's Agenda ourselves, where we've found that often workplaces are safe spaces for women uh, to get away from an abusive partner. And so a lot of women are now in this position where they don't have those space, safe spaces to go or they might not be able to easily go to a relative's house or a friend's house or somewhere else and they're finding themselves stuck at home and often in a bit of a pressure cooker situation with, with kids around, with it being quite stressful with um, facing financial losses and other things that are going on which all contribute to really difficult and quite dangerous situations for women. So we know that uh, it was already a national emergency in Australia uh, before this, um, but we could be looking at seeing something that we actually haven't seen before. And I know that we've published a brilliant piece today from Amanda Gearing from Queensland University of Technology who notes that we we can't wait for the evidence of a violence spike because then it will be too late. And I think it's really important to think we just don't have – the research on what it means to be in a self-isolated situation for a long time because we haven't experienced this in our living memories. This hasn't happened in in, in, for, for in modern times really. So we don't know what the oh. result of that's going to be. Um, I wanted to just share, I'll go to you in a second, Georgie, but just a couple of points that Amanda made in that piece which I thought were really, really good where she talks about a few different suggestions. Obviously we need the extensive funding for various services that can help we need to ensure that uh, she suggests we need to ensure that police are focusing on a history of relationships and not just the uh, not just the physical violence. Just look for the degree of um, coercive control and other facets. And also that if you do happen to own a second home that's empty, if you have a holiday house or something that that's not currently being rented out, then to think about making available via the police for emergency safe housing, which would be a really good option if we could get more of those houses available to people at the moment. Georgie, did you have any comments on this, particularly some of the funding that has occur- that has come through? Yeah, so I mean, we don't have um, obviously we don't have exact numbers yet, and we don't know what the impact of this isolation period is going to have on um, domestic violence. But what we do already know is that, and the Prime Minister said this on Sunday, that the Google searches for help domestic violence have increased by 75% mm. um, in recent weeks, which is pretty astonishing. Um, Women's Safety New South Wales last week did some research and it, they interviewed 80 different frontline service providers, um, domestic violence service providers, and they um, 40% had already reported an increase in, um, re- in sort of connections and um, requests for help and services, whether that's counselling or housing. Um, so I think it is it's not too early to say that um, we're already seeing um, an increase in demand for these sorts of services because it's just not difficult. It, it is it, it is common sense when you think about it that if you're in an abusive relationship and now virtually every person in a relationship is now has now got less distance between them. You know, whoever, whatever your situation is, there's very few people who are spending more time apart than they are together at the moment. And so I think it just, the impact is compounds there in a really dangerous way. There has been, I mean, a lot of um, services have adapted and there is still phone, um, there's still phone counselling available. There are still shelters that are able to provide housing and um, they're sort of willing and able to do that. There has been additional funds provided. Um, just yesterday, $150 million um, in additional funding was announced in New South Wales. Um, and 
you know, this is an area where we have known for a long time that it is chronically underfunded. Um, I think it's important to, you know, everything that Amanda said is really important, that there are things that don't cost a lot of money that we can do that actually, you know, create help and security and safety for people who need it. But the other situation is that also money is needed to, to help these services adapt so that they can provide the counselling that's needed um, in this sort of new world order that does require resources and funding. And I think there certainly does seem to be an early indication from state governments and the federal government that this is something that they're aware of and willing to um, put resources towards. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Georgie, do you have any resources in front of you that you could share? I mean, I would, I would state of the, um, you know, 1-800-RESPECT hotline, um, obviously to dial triple zero if it's an emergency. Do you have anything else there that you could share? Uh, well, no, I was, I was going to say that um, the, I'm just looking here, the New South Wales Domestic Violence Line, which is 1800 656 um, which is statewide, that is still operating. 1800 RESPECT, which is 1800 732 732, is a national counselling helpline and it's still operating as well. And I would say um, that that is a very good first port of call for anybody who is looking um to, to get some support and help. And I think um, one of the messages that I know I'm hearing from people who work on the front line is that they really want people to know that there are skilled services and help available, that, yes, a lot of us are physically alone now in a way that we weren't even just a few weeks ago, but that you're not actually alone in facing these sorts of struggles because there are services still operating that you can access. Excellent. Thank you so much, Georgie. Okay, so Georgie, moving on, we wanted to just share a few ideas about um, trying to work at home while you still have kids in the house and potentially while you're trying to manage homeschooling and remote working. You just appeared on ABC News 24 sharing how it's going for you uh, with your three kids. Um, I'm Mm. having mixed results myself at home with three kids as well, only one that is uh, primary school age, the other two are younger so just what kind of tips do you have? Uh, I don't know. Is it absolute chaos in your house? I know that we haven't had mm. any of your girls come through in the background and none of my boys have come through in the background here, but yeah. what, are, well, are you getting look, six hours of school done a day? Is anybody? Uh, no, I think probably saying we're getting six hours of school done a day is not realistic. I would say that it is definitely getting easier. Um, I think that you know, last week when we recorded this podcast, that you know, that we were only three days into it and I think my kids came in about 15 times, uh, whereas today they haven't come in yet. I'm sure now that I say that, someone will open my door. Um, but I think that I am struck in a really positive way by how adaptable little people are. I think that, you know, when this first, when we first were in this situation, it felt very strange and I probably think last week Monday and Tuesday were the most difficult days for me and for them because we were sort of trying to fumble our way through and figure out how we make this work. The school has been great. They're at the local primary school, public primary school, and we've been given a lot of um, access to resources, you know, free online platforms that, um, I mean, obviously they need to have a piece of technology to use those, but the the school, if you've got that, I feel like the school is making this a little bit easier. I personally am not trying to replicate the school experience here at home. I think 
for us, it works well to be in a little bit of a pattern. And I am really aware at the moment that I'm lucky that my two school-age kids are in year two and year four. So they're sort of old enough that they can sit down for a little while, you know, unsupervised and work on a, either a task sheet that we've been sent from school or something online. Obviously, a four-year-old is much more difficult. She is um, not able to sit down for long periods of time and concentrate, and we're not even trying to do that. But um, I feel like we're getting through. We've kind of got a bit of a pattern going on. It's certainly not like a school day, but we've got, you know, they sit down at their desk at different times. We're going out every afternoon, even if it's just a walk around the block or down to the park. We're doing something alone, physically isolated, etc., doing all the right things. But... Um, I think we're getting there. I feel better mm. about it now than I did a week ago. Yeah, I feel a little bit better about it now. I know that I've definitely taken a bit of pressure off myself. I know Christina Zuiko has written a piece about the shift away from intensive parenting and how maybe yeah. this is the cure for intensive parenting, that we just start to go a little bit easier on ourselves and see that they are adaptable and they can actually figure out a lot of this stuff themselves. But um, a few yeah. things I guess I've kind of come to terms with is that um, – and we'll talk about this more in the next topic, I think. But, I mean, I'm a business owner and, and obviously some work has slowed down and I need to accept that you know, I can take my foot off the pedal a little bit there. And I think that's probably what a lot of people are examining and thinking about now if they still have jobs is um, are you going to be working the kind of load that you were doing previously? Is that realistic? And I know it's definitely not realistic for me and I think I can just be a bit kinder on myself there and say, well, that's okay. This probably won't be a business growth stage as it's not going to be for anyone. We'll get through it. Yeah. Um, I need to get up before my kids and get a bit of stuff done then. Um, I found that sessions with grandparents, if you've got a device that you can or just to use your phone, just maybe to get a grandparent to read a book to the kids, that's a really nice break and it gives, and it's a nice way for them to interact with their grandkids as well. Um, yeah. My partner has had his hours cut back, so he's around a little bit more too. Um I, we try to start with a bit of a plan and tasks that need to be ticked off before they can get to a reward in the afternoon. And I always have one task on there, which includes alone time play, which I think I just, I really want my kids to learn how to do that because I realised they didn't actually know how to do that. And now it's it's quite important that they, they figure that out. And it's a good skill to have. And I know that I certainly used to do that when I was a child, that it's it is quite normal for kids to, to be able to play alone and, and maybe with so much technology around and so much screen time, it's a, it's something that we've lost a little bit of touch with. Um, I am finding that there has been a big shift. I know I mentioned this to you earlier, Georgie, in that I'm seeing how they are starting to play a little bit differently because they are at home the whole time, that they have to figure out and create new games and activities and it's been quite interesting just to witness that transformation over such a short period of time, the things that they're doing now mm. which they wouldn't have been doing a few weeks ago. Um, spending a lot more time outdoors, you know, kicking balls and with their skateboards and scooters, and it's and it's quite, you know, it's it's nice to see and learning how to play a little nice nice with each other. But the main thing I think is just to just relax on yourselves. Like it's everyone's in this position, and I, I feel that um, if you can do a little bit of something each day, that's great. If you can't, then you know we've we've got to look after other things at the moment, and if. This is a hibernation, it's a pause and we'll have to come up with strategies to try and get the kids to catch up. But realistically, we're looking at kids all around the world being in exactly the same situation. Um, and I mean, look, yeah. I, I do I really, really strongly believe that this pause and, and hibernation period is actually 
I mean, I, I hate what has prompted it and I don't want to underplay the sort of horror that this virus has inflicted and is inflicting around the world. But I do, I do feel really strongly that for those of us who have been able to actually pause in a way that we haven't ever before and for our kids to have this reset, mm. I think it's actually really powerful and quite yeah. valuable at sort of really stripping things back because for all of the little disappointments we've had, I feel so lucky every day at the moment that I am in a position where I can work from home, that the kids are here and that they're safe and that I can, you know, they've got each other to entertain. It's But the rest of the stuff, it just doesn't matter. You know, like I feel like in so many ways this has shrunk our universe and it has really made very clear the stuff that actually matters in, in a day. Mm. And it's different to probably what I would have thought a few weeks ago. Yeah. And just yeah. on that, Georgie, I think that, you know, children everywhere are going to really appreciate and get really excited about the idea of going to school rather than lamenting it. Mm. Oh, I'm going to go mm. to school. It's going to be, I get to go to school. I know. Mm. Yeah. And it's going to set about a generational change when it comes to that entire outlook. And that's just not for school kids. And it's the same for university as well. And, you know, being able to be there and, you know, take advantage of that opportunity that comes from not just the content, but the experience of being there as well. Mm, yeah yeah that's a great way to look at it that that I get to go to school that's going to be such a shift for kids everywhere um Shivani but I also think that sorry the last thing I actually think it's going to be the same thing for work I mean I'm in a position where I I know I'm very lucky I love my job anyway I've never really dreaded getting up and going to work but I think for lots of people when we do get back to a point where we can go out and be physically together I think a lot of people will wake up and feel so grateful that they can go into the office and meet that. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. Shivani, just we, I wanted to ask you about, because you always have good strategies for, for coping at home with, because um, you and your partner both run really busy businesses and you're, um, you're busy, ambitious people. Uh, what is it like? Uh, you're in an apartment there. Are you, are you and your partner constantly in each other's faces or what have you developed? I know that you sent around a meme that's been doing the rounds about how like every everyone needs to have like their co-worker, their imaginary co-worker that they can blame yep. things on so they can go and have yeah. a little chat. Like did you hear about uh, did you hear about Beryl and how she uh, left the uh, <laughs> I don't know the, 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 the microwave the open again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to collectively have a go with Cheryl. We don't like to Oh Cheryl, Cheryl is it yeah. okay. I said Beryl. Yeah, okay, like poor Beryl. On the um, mm. on the kitchen countertop and doesn't wipe them back up. Mm-hmm. And she leaves coffee in the cup and it you know leaves the stains there and it just you know rings around and it annoys the crap out of me. Yeah, this, this Cheryl's um, you know something's got to be done about her. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, that's a, that's a funny meme. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's um, it's you know having an imaginary coworker and you blame things on them that really that you've done or, you, you know, mm. your partner has done. Um, and, you you know, you get to have a laugh about it, but also you get to subtly call out the other person so that hopefully, you know, they pull up their thoughts and they, and they do the right thing. So, look, um, I obviously don't have kids. I don't need to, you know, work around how to, you know, how to, you know, school and from home and so forth. But I do have a husband, and I've got to say, it's really annoying to work from home with him constantly because... We are very similar people. We both run our own businesses. We're both loud. We're both extroverted. 
Um, and we're both ambitious and we have very full days. And as a result, it's funny that we both get on each other's nerves for exactly the same things because he talks really loud. I'm like, I wish you would just, you know, quieten down a bit once I can send this email. And then when I'm on the phone, he's thinking exactly the same thing. And, um, and, and there's this other tendency as well, of course, that, you know, you take your loved ones for granted, right? So they've got work, but there's somewhere in the back of your head, even though consciously we both know that we are working, we are running our own businesses, he's home. So my inclination to go, hey, can you just go and do this? Like take the rubbish out or go and grab this from the store. Um, and for him to, to you know ask me to do the same is very high because we tend to take each other for granted that way. So I think... Look, it didn't happen immediately. Um, I didn't create the strategies, you know, because I just woke up with it. It happened with, you know, two weeks of having to, you know, bear with each other. <laughs> um, and so, but here's what we're doing now that is making it far more bearable. In fact, you know, we've, we've sort of, you know, got this new normal now where, you know, things are, things are working as, as well as, you know, they really should be. And the first one is, um, you know, have separate spaces of work. So I'm I'm lucky enough that, um, you know, we live in an apartment that has an upstairs and a downstairs section. So one of us takes the downstairs, I take the downstairs, and it has a door, it has a separate door, so I can just shut the door when he gets out, and I can, you know, effectively lock out some of that noise. And that creates a sense of social distance between the two of us. Um, and so that way, it's almost like because we don't see each other for hours on end, because I could be sitting here typing away until I eventually I get hungry. Um, I'm not having to have this constant, you know, I'm in his face and he's in my face and that's working really well for us. Um, otherwise, you know, I would just say being, being separate rooms. And the second thing that we do is when we wake up in the morning and, you know, we're sort of getting ready for the day or getting ready for work, we now ask each other what we've got on today. So I, I will physically ask him, you know, so what have you got on for today? And he'll go, oh, well, I've got you know, three meetings. We obviously have meetings, Zoom meetings and so forth. Um, I've got two phone calls. And so mentally I'm going, okay, so this is what his day looks like and this is what he needs to work around. And so I'm trying to be a little bit of a considerate co-worker around that and vice versa, he's doing the same. And we know that this is going to be the long haul, right? We know that we're in this situation at least for a couple of months, if not six months is what, you know, Scramo has been saying around any change. Um, so, so it, it actually helps to almost align your calendars in a little way as well. So having visibility of each other's calendars. So when I do this podcast, I book it at a time so that he books his meetings around that. So an hour before and after the podcast, I don't take meetings so that he can be super loud and I'm, I've already had that moment. So we've sort of been really considerate around each other's space that way. Um, and uh, and we, we help find lunch breaks together. Wherever we can, we have lunch together, like you, your co-workers, and we find things to gas bag about. There isn't a lot. I've got to tell you, there's not a lot happening out there. <laughs> but yeah. you've got to find something, right? And, um, and, and lately, it's just been really funny memes that we've seen. Um, and, you know, just chatting about that and, um, and you know, it, 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 it lightens up the day and it mm -hmm. does mean that, you know, we're, we're making this new situation work for us. Yeah, and I think good tips there, um, no matter what, uh, it, regardless of the relationship in the sense that if you're with a housemate or a flatmate or something, it is the same rules apply really, just to give yourself those kind of shifts, I guess, that you have your hours, yeah. he has his hours, hours when someone can be loud, hours when the other person can be loud. Um, if there's kids involved, you could take shifts in terms of who's going to manage the kids at certain times, if that's possible. So. Yes, lots of great strategies and I'm sure we'll be sharing more and it's hard when it comes to this sort of thing because everyone sort of 
most of us are feeling this out for the first time, so nobody's actually an expert. So <laughs> we just can only share what is working in the experience experiences uh, that we, we've had ourselves in the last couple of weeks. And we will learn so much more in the coming months too. Um, so I wanted to move, and we've touched briefly now on this, uh, to talk about the pause, the hibernation that we are experiencing. Um, I am... I mean, you see a bit around this now and I fear it might get a little bit worse. And when there's a holiday break, say, over the new year period, you start to get a lot of the, hey, new you, your opportunity to do this level of self-improvement or whatever it is, or go and put this pressure on yourself to to work on this skill and to think about your plans for the next year ahead and you're going to be brilliant and great. And, and I'm starting to see a little bit of that creep into this period now, which just uh, in infuriates me and I just instantly kind of push it aside because I just feel like now is not the time and I think that when it comes to a pause in this hibernation and particularly with so much else going on particularly with uh, people's health uh, financial situations with so much being so precarious right now that it is something to uh, be cautious of um, I think there's definitely a place for it in terms of if the, the skills or things that are being shared can actually assist you in getting through this period. But then there's also that sense of, no, just just leave me alone. Let me just take this moment to um, – I mean, I, I like the idea of spending a bit of time trying to get a little bit of more rest if possible – Shivani, you are so always ambitious on the personal development, the self-development front. Mm. So where do you stand on this? Do you see this as a zone for that? How do you, how do you personally react when you see invitations to, to do things to um, improve yourself? And, and I know there's different levels of improvement here, but how do you yeah. take it? So I, I think it depends on what kind of self-improvement you know, has, has come your way. But if I were to set context on this, and, and I would never, I mean, the, the fact that this has happened, you know, has, has just been so devastating for everybody around the world. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's had unprecedented impact and you'd never wish this ever again. Um, but now that this has happened, how do we deal with it in a way that, we are we we are serving ourselves, and we are um, you know dealing with this situation in the best way that we possibly can. And when I think of it, I don't think of it as you know there's this pressure for self development. I don't look at it in that way at all. I think that it shouldn't be pressure. It's in fact not about pressure. It's about perseverance. And I think that we as as humans are really tested in the hard times. And I think that, you know, there, you know, so many incredible things will sprout from that, you know. And, um, and so when I, when I get invitations for, you know, these seminars and these Zoom things, I am taking on what I feel serves me and what serves the path that I'm heading on. Um, and, and I think that everyone should work on a path that works for them. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, then it's so important that you take some time out for you because what is happening right now is overwhelming. If you're feeling anxious, it's so important that you take out time to work through how to deal with that anxiety and, and learn and read and self-develop that part of it speaks to other people. Um, but, and in other ways as well, I look at it as, you know, in the most horrible way possible, and we, we know that, right, without being insensitive to everything that's happened, the world has come to a pause 
in many ways and this is your opportunity to finally do the things that you've always wanted to do. And sure, if that's not your mindset today, then go and rest, go and sleep, go and binge on Netflix, read the books that you've always wanted to read. But if you don't feel that way tomorrow, if you feel a little bit invigorated, this is your time because everyone else is, everyone else is taking the pause. This is your time to get ahead in whatever it is that serves you. Um, I'll give you an example. On Sunday, I wanted to get a bit of work done, but I felt like I wanted to write some poetry, and I did that. And that was self-development to that creative burning me that I've always had. And at the same time, I've, I've got a girlfriend who has always wanted to learn how to set up her own business and is finally taking the time to do that. And that is giving her so much a sense of purpose. Um, and I think that if you can make something of this time, do it. You'll be so pleased that you did when you look back on it. Yeah, I agree. You know what I think is a bit different? It's maybe that the expansion of ideas that, that you can work on, whereas often the ideas are all about your career and getting ahead and being the best you can possibly individually be. And, and now it mm. feels like a lot of the things, it goes back to more creative pursuits or even collective pursuits or thinking about learning about topics or um, getting educated and, and um, <coughs> getting different uh, pillars of knowledge that are not necessarily about uh, you and your career and your uh, success so much anymore. It's quite, it's a little bit different, which I think is really interesting. Like what you mentioned there about poetry. I don't know if you would have written about, talked, uh, attempted to write poetry or thought about doing poetry at a time, say, when you're taking two weeks off over the summer break and you're thinking about what you're going to do for the year ahead. And same with the webinars. I mean, we're running a few webinars ourselves on Women's Agenda. We're trying to put out as much free content as we can and enough money opportunities as possible to get people to uh, uh, kind of engage with different speakers and ideas that we're sharing at any one time. Again, it's not to uh, – I don't want to see it as this this thing about trying to accelerate people's careers at this point, but rather it's a point to just take a moment, if that's what you want to do, to share and engage in somebody's ideas or somebody's wisdom and to ask questions and to also participate and engage with other readers as well. Um, Georgie, where do you stand on this topic? Yeah, I think it's so interesting what you said, Shivani, about, you know, professional or personal development is not about guilt. It shouldn't be sort of motivated by this sense of guilt or it's it's sort of what speaks for you. And I guess for me, I probably fall into, you know, and obviously open with saying, Shivani, you're very motivated and sort of self-driven and ambitious. And I think I am very ambitious and driven in lots of ways, but I am not a, um, I don't know, I'm not like a self-development person. I, don't, I struggle to, you know, when you tell me about your morning routine, Shivani, where you get up really early and do all those things, I'm just like, that is just not who I am. But that's okay because that, yeah. that stuff doesn't speak to me. And I think that's okay. And I think that's what is, I think it's okay to look at the fact that people will respond to this pause the same way that they'll respond to any situation really differently depending on their circumstances. I think that, you know, there is, I have to be honest, there is part of me that in the back of my head is thinking, right, this is the opportunity that I can really nail what I want to write my next book on. The truth is I've got three kids at home at the moment. I've still got paid work to do. It's pro that's not going to happen. It's really unlikely. If, if the inspiration strikes and I can work on it, then that might happen. But I think I have to be really realistic about at the moment my priority is just going to be getting us, our family unit, through this period, however long it is. And if at the end of it, 
I haven't got any major creative output, that is going to be okay because the output will probably be in doing the work that I can do to keep, you know, our house fed and watered and everything like that and helping the kids get through this. Um, but, you know, so potentially at the moment my creative pursuits aren't going to be the priority and I don't feel guilty about that. And that's great that you don't. And you shouldn't have to feel guilt. It's not about guilt. It's not about. It's not about <laughs> pressure. And it should be said, like keeping everyone fed and watered. If you find that there is something cropping up inside you that also wants to be watered, and yes. they have been wanting to be watered for a long time now. It might be that you want to learn how to write a different kind of. I mean, Georgie, you're, you're such a skilled writer. I've got to say, one of these days I'm going to ask you to you know, teach me how to write or I, I do write a lot, but, you know, it helped me improve my writing skills. But, but you may find that maybe that is something that you've been reached out for for a lot of times, that this is something that you want to do going forward. Maybe mm. you're going to find that you want to change all together and you want to learn how to write children's stories, for example. And that is something that always have wanted to be watered, and you can give that a crack. That's not you putting pressure on yourself to go down a self-development journey. That is you touching an itch and nurturing something that really you should have, you know, you've been you've been sort of putting to the side. So just put it forward now. You've got a bit of space around you to be able to indulge in some of those things. Yeah, I, I think um, it is. I think it comes down to perception, like and how you perceive things. Because I think mm -hmm. if you um, perceive any opportunity as something to indulge in interest. You know, I think the webinars and that um, you've been running, certainly the people that I know who are listening and tuning in, they're finding it great, not because it's a pressure, but it's because it's an opportunity to have, to be engaged. I know my mum has been attending most of our webinars, but also other ones. And it's just a really good way to fill your day with something that may, might make you think about this situation differently or whatever it is. It's just um, but again, it comes down to the perception. If you feel like you've got to spend your days listening to and finding creative content to, you know, pursue some sort of goal, then that's probably not going to be great. But if you perceive it as an opportunity to be engaged for an hour at this point in time, then that then that will speak to you. Yeah, they, I mean, I think that. This has been a good conversation, Shivani. I might just say that it's so nice that some you I can hear the poetry in your language coming through. I like that idea of having the opportunity to uh, water yourself as well, um, which is so true. And it's an issue that I've been grappling about a lot with women's agenda because I'm like, how much content do we put out? How much do we put out in front of people? Is it going to be too much? Is it going to be too overwhelming? I don't want to make people feel like they they should or they have to do these things but I do like the idea of there being the opportunity should they wake up on that day and, and want to pursue that yeah. thing and want to tune into that webinar yeah. or participate in that discussion I see it as you know if we can create as th those opportunities then we make them available and you're right Shivani what you're feeling today might completely change tomorrow and we're looking at this as quite a long process we could be feeling completely different in two weeks most of us mm -hmm. are probably still learning to adjust to this new normal. I mean, we're only a couple of weeks in. We're all trying to adapt to the idea of even just uh, trying to learn how to uh, do, do whatever we can from home. I mean, many of us are learning how to, to do remote learning. And I have to say, I'm learning so many things just through that process and the little different special topics that we set up each day on topics that I would never have explored previously and now have the opportunity to do so. Then it are going to do absolutely nothing for my career or business but are really nice to actually learn about because they're things that I hadn't really thought that much about. When you see it through the eyes of a younger child, it's really quite special. Uh, so, I, yeah, thank you, Shivani. I think you've, you've, you've cast much light on that topic there and that idea that it's, mm. really, it's really up to anyone to decide and to know that it's okay that how you feel will 
could can change on any given day regarding how much you want to do, if you ever want to do much at all. Exactly. Let's not put labels on things or let's not say, you know, this week I'm going to, you know, kick off all these goals or this week I'm going to do nothing but Netflix binge because I've, trust me, I love my Netflix binging, but it gets boring after a while. After a while you start to, at least for me, I, I could do a whole day and the next day I've got so much energy and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do today because I can't do a second day of it. You know, I need yeah. to build up that want again, you know. What is it? A variety is the spice of life, right? Give yourself some variety. Yes. And so, also, I think it is, um, I think bandwidth and what we have as our bandwidth at any point in time, it's never fit. And there will yeah. be times where, and, and you know, what requires certain bandwidth at different times varies for all of us. And I think that's one of the things to remember. And I think that's particularly something for you. Like, you are a business owner, you do have three small kids. You like, even without anything extra, what you do in a week is pretty solid. So therefore, you know, you might not have the same capacity that another person has for various pursuits. But you do. I mean, you have an amazing amount of bandwidth. But I think the idea of being kind to ourselves and realistic about what bandwidth we have on any given day is going to be different and that's okay. Mm. Okay, so at the top of the conversation, I feel like we, we, we've coming up to 15 minutes, so we should start to wrap up a little bit, but I did promise a conversation on women's sport and we may need to expand a little bit more on this next week. But there's yeah. a few, just a, a couple of quick things. We have just launched uh, a weekly newsletter on women's sport called The Sporty Wrap, which we had kind of planned for a little while now. It got put off for a couple of different reasons and we just sort of thought, let's let's just launch it. Even though competitions are being cancelled and postponed, obviously the Olympics have been now postponed to 2021. Um, but we just felt, and I think that this is something that we really all need to keep in mind, uh, those of us who love women's sport, have been following women's sport, and those of us who want to see more women working in sport as well at all levels in both women's and men's sports, uh, is that we need to keep celebrating some of the victories that we've had in the past and maybe reflect back on the achievements and the accomplishments of of um, of, of those things because right now when we're not going to see anything particularly new at the moment and I also fear that we are at risk of with so many sporting codes and competitions losing so much money, we're, we're at risk of some of the gains that have been made for women's sport uh, being lost in the future. So we ended up launching that. You can go and subscribe to it on our website and it's coming out every Monday and we are doing some reflection pieces on things that have happened in the past to keep celebrating all the awesome things that have been going on for women in sport. And it's also a matter of uh, we're doing Q&As and profiles on different athletes, coaches, uh uh, sports board directors, uh, administrators, people working at the community level, wherever it is that we're trying to talk about women's careers in sport at the moment and how they're adapting and changing. Um, we just had Eloise Wellings uh, profiled last Monday and she talked about the fact that you know she's been to two Olympics and it's obviously a lot's changed and it must be really tough. When we talked about the small disappointments, you think about the disappointments mm. for uh, somebody who's been training for the Olympics and now finds they've got another year to train. <laughs> so she spoke about how she's been doing uh, dealing with that and then also how she trains now that she's, um, I mean, she's a long-distance runner, so she's isolated at home. She's got two kids and basically she's training on a treadmill and – I feel, I don't know about you guys, but I just feel sport, whether it's women's sport, men's sport, it's going to be hard to come by watching it at the moment. Uh, but at the same time, let's keep it there because it's just a wonderful thing to have in our lives and to witness the 
the athleticism and the, the determination and the skill of these different people. If they're not doing it out in a public arena, uh, then maybe they're doing it in their living rooms or in their backyards or or whatever it is. Yeah, I think um, I think that the Olympic situation is so uh, devastating for so many people because you know the vast majority of Olympic athletes they're not well remunerated. I mean, it's totally different to the level, you know, to there is certainly more lucrative um, sports, you know, tennis or golf, you know, there's certainly ways. And, you know, a lot of the team sports here, you earn a really good living. But a lot of Olympic athletes, they're not paid a huge amount of money. They work so hard for these opportunities. So much goes into um, being ready for selection, all those things. And it's just devastating to contemplate what they're missing out on. Um, and I think the other thing I've thought of is one of the strangest things that happened to me when I had my nervous breakdown was that I actually became really interested in watching sport um, because it was sort of a fixed, it was a regular thing. It was on TV. I could watch sports that I had had no previous interest in. I just liked the ritual of watching it and seeing how they went compared to the week before. And I know that's the role that sport plays for so many people. It's a really sort of happy anchoring in their week. Um, so I think for athletes, but also for spectators, not having, um, you know, the sport that we're accustomed to is going to be a huge loss. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I I feel that uh, Tokyo 2021, I, I mean, I hope, you know, and the optimism that to see what the world will look like on the other side of this, there is so much to go through before we get there. But wow, what a moment that will be. I know. Something to keep in mind for the future. All right. Well, I should probably wrap up. So thank you so much, Georgie and Shivani. Uh, We should get back to our lives in our homes now. Um, Thank you again for listening, everybody. Once again, we'll be back uh, next week. And just a reminder that uh, you can leave a review for the podcast. They always help. And also that all the stories that we've discussed and the links and the resources that we've shared, as well as a few of others, we will detail in the show notes. And we'll also put on the story accompanying this uh, podcast on our website as well. You can subscribe to Women's Agenda. Go to womensagenda.com.au forward slash subscribe and you'll get our email just before lunchtime every day. Thank you.